You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome in. This is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Lots to do on this Friday edition. If you want to get on board, of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I'm on Twitter at Gordon Damer and the daily poll question is up for today. I don't believe that there's any typos today. Think today is a day we got it straight, right out of the box. Days without a mistake, one. Eli Manning set to have his, of course, his uh, retirement press conference today, 11 o'clock. That's one of the big stories heading into this Friday. And I'm sure you will hear that press conference with Rick, Chris, and Dave when they come your way later this morning. Then 3 o'clock, it'll be Luis Rojas who gets introduced as the new Mets manager. But, you know, there's a lot of stories that I saw over the last 24 hours that either made me laugh or shake my head, and we have to get into a bunch of them, from Zion Williamson being fat-shamed in his NBA debut, Ian Begley with a piece about the Knicks and the last days of David Fisdale as the head coach and things that are going on behind the scenes there. And then there's this story that the Knicks have hired a brand agency to make them cool again. To make them cool again. Yes. How come we're not cool? I don't know. Maybe it's because we lose all the time. Nah, I can't be it. So we'll get to that too. But let's start the day off with where the day belongs. And today, January 24th, belongs to Eli Manning. Press conference, as I said, set for 11 o'clock. And it feels like, maybe it feels like this to you too, over the last 24 hours, it's been a lot of rehashing a lot of the same arguments when it comes to Eli Manning. And the arguments, of course, obviously focus on the Hall of Fame. Is he a Hall of Famer? Is he not a Hall of Famer? Haven't we done this already? Haven't we staked our ground? Is there anybody left that is still to be convinced? I feel like most people are pretty set in whatever feeling, and maybe it's because it's New York or 16 years or all those different things. I think everybody pretty much has the lay of the land, and they know what positions they are staking their, their, their position to. And uh, there's not really anybody to convince left in the middle ground. And I think the Daily News back page today absolutely has it right. No matter what side you might find yourself on, just come to the realization he is going to be in the Hall of Fame. So if you're a giant fan who loved Eli Manning and want him in the Hall of Fame, relax. He's going. There's no need for outrage. And if you are someone who does not think that he belongs in the Hall of Fame, well, uh, I would say you have five years to get your mind right. <laughs> you have five years to work out whatever you need to work out because that is going to happen. Now, it might not be in the first year. might be somewhere down the road he'll get in, but he is going to get in. And why is he going to get in? He is going to get in, not for a lot of the reasons you've heard over the last 24 hours. I feel like people are doing these mental gymnastics to try to figure out some new position or new way to present it. He's getting in because he won two Super Bowls and two Super Bowl MVPs. He's not getting in for a bunch of the other reasons. Any of the other reasons. The reason he's getting in, again, he won two Super Bowls. He won two Super Bowl MVPs, and he was not a passenger along for the ride during those Super Bowl runs. But don't try and twist and turn it into something that it's not. 
He was not one of the best quarterbacks of his era. He was not elite, and by elite I mean top three, top five quarterback in the league. He's not getting in because he was seventh in passing yards or seventh in touchdown passes. Anyone with half a brain knows that those numbers are inflated due to the time that he played. He's not getting into the Hall of Fame because he was durable. Nobody gets into the Hall of Fame because they're durable. It's all well and good. Yes, it's important to be able to go out there, and it is amazing that he was able to go out there and play in every game, except for one. Didn't miss a game due to injury. But he's getting in because he won two Super Bowls, and he won two Super Bowl MVPs, and he played great during those Super Bowl runs. During those runs, he was elite, but over the the story of his career, he was not. And this other one that I've heard pop up lately, well, you can't tell the story of football without Eli Manning. That's not why you get into the Hall of Fame. I've never heard anybody else, well, you can't tell the story of the NFL without him. What? Are you great? Were you great? Were you one of the best in your sport? Were you one of the best at your position? Those arguments, you can't say that about Eli Manning. So what you're saying is that two Super Bowls is enough to overcome otherwise an underwhelming career? Yep. Yes, I am. That's exactly what I'm saying. Because he is getting in. And I will grant you, he had a unique career. It's very hard to compare him to anyone else. The first three or four years were, were, were rough. There's no other way to put it. And the last three or four years were kind of rough. Second half of his career, he was the, his team was... 48 and 67 and went to the playoffs once. That's the second half of his career. And I, we would, you, anyone would look at the first three years of his career as being not exactly Hall of Fame worthy at that point. Now, in the middle, it was certainly above average. I don't think it was ever elite. He had some, some, I think he had a, one or two great years. But even then, I don't, I didn't look at him as a top three or a top five quarterback in the league. He's getting into the Hall of Fame because he won two Super Bowls and two Super Bowl MVPs. And I love with the people, the Giant fans or just people who think that, uh, it's always Giant fans. It's never anybody else. Giant fans who think that he's getting into the Hall of Fame will say, well, you know, people on the other side will bring up the turnovers or that he was never an MVP or that he was never an all pro or he was never one of the best quarterbacks of his era. Um, yeah, well, people will bring that up because those are facts. <laughs> I mean, what are we talking about? Well, like, like people are bringing up things clear out of the blue, the clear blue sky that don't have any real weight. No, those are, those are actual important things. And for just about everybody else, that would tell the tale. It won't tell the tale for Eli because why? I think I've said this before. He won two Super Bowls and he won two Super Bowl MVPs. And it's funny. I mean, it is amazing because there's a lot of time that I have spent, not the last two or three years, because I feel like he was part of the problem the last two or three years, actually defending Eli Manning. I would love to have had a player at any point in my life who was as good as Eli Manning. I'd be building statues to him in my house. But it's funny. A lot of the people who are all screaming and yelling about Eli Manning, giant fans, now that he's leaving, now they're going to canonize him as a saint. All the same people. Couldn't wait to get rid of him. Now, oh, Eli, he's a Hall of Fame. 
so full of garbage. I can't use another word. But anywho, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Then there is the Mets. The Mets are set to introduce Luis Rojas today as their new manager, 3 p.m. So I'm sure the uh, K show will be all over that. And that ties into the uh, poll question for today. It's up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. And it is with Luis Rojas set to be introduced today. What best fits how you feel about this move, right? We really haven't had that much time to really digest it. Now, it was kind of telegraphed, right? You knew it was going to be somebody. Mets are going to stay in-house. They weren't going to go outside. They weren't going to hire Dusty Baker. They weren't going to hire some manager who actually has experience at the job. Kooky thought. So what best fits how you feel about this hire? We gave you four options. A, love it. Perfect fit. Guy who's managed a lot of the Mets already. He can come in, hit the ground running. He's got relationships with a lot of the players already. He's already been on staff. He's not coming in from the outside. That's number A. Number A, letter A. Number one, it's early. Don't blame me, people. B, number B, should have hired Girardi. That's your second option there. Hindsight, should have hired Girardi, which it's not really, it was, it was at the time. Everybody was saying at the time, you should have hired Girardi. C, letter C, won't be able to come overcome the front office. Like one of the, I think that he actually, Luis Rojas, when you read about him, who knows how he will actually be, but when you read about him, he seems like a guy who actually is more qualified for the job than Carlos Beltran, right? At least he has managed. Now he's not managed in the major leagues, but he has managed for years in the minor leagues. But he won't be able to overcome this front office. Like he'll be an okay manager, but a lot of the moves that he'll be sabotaged by a lot of the moves made by the front office. Or D, should have kept Beltran. Should have kept Beltron. Those are your four options, A, B, C, or D, one, two, three, or four, however you want to break it down. It's up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. Coming up, give you my answer. Plus, we've got to talk. We haven't done this recently, and I don't know how much more we're going to be able to do it because they have made themselves irrelevant, the New York Knicks. Two separate stories yesterday, and I don't know which one is more depressing. It's almost like, remember Tommy Boy? When he's he's trying to get to the office to talk to Dan Aykroyd and make the deal. And he's not able to get into the office. He goes outside and he sits on the, the, the park bench. And then because he's so fat, he the park bench collapses. Ah, I could have done without that. You read the first story about the Knicks. And I think the, the first one I read was from Ian Begley, which can't make you feel good about the future of the organization. And then I woke up this morning and read one from um, the Daily News, Stefan Bondi. And I felt like, you know what? Could have done without that. Could have done without two. So those are two stories we have to get into. We have to get into Zion being uh, fat shamed. And you know what? I did have a thought or two yesterday about Antonio Brown. So we'll get into that too. Lots to do. 1-800-919-ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. You know what? Let's squeeze in a call here first because I always I never get to the calls early. And then we're, we're scrambling at the end. So let me actually be a better talk show host. We'll go out to uh, Lewis and Whippany. Lewis, what's going on, my man? Hey, how you doing, Gordon? I'm good, man. What's up? Hey, listen, real quick. Yeah. First of all, Dusty Baker, probably one of the best baseball names out there. I love that baseball name. Baseball name. Yeah, Dusty Baker. That's yes. a good name. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so listen. Yes, Elon Manning, Super Bowl MVP, two Super Bowl titles. Great. But you can't tell me that guy wasn't a passenger of the 07 run. Like, that defense what? won everything for them. 
Well, no, they had a great defense. That's how you win Super Bowls. You have to have a great defense. Well, of course. They didn't have a great defense in 2011. Uh, yeah, that one, I, I, I can actually maybe argue that one with you a bit, but I, I'll, I'll probably give you that one more than the 07. You know, I've had people tell me that you Eli Manning was the reason they won the 07. Yeah, but no, Lewis, you can't make the argument that he was a passenger in 07 when, yes, did they have a great defense? Absolutely. But the throws that he made, the plays that he made, the games that they won during that run, he was a key component of that. And there are plays that you are going – you can't say he was a passenger. A passenger is Trent Dilfer. That's a passenger. A passenger is Brad Johnson. That's a passenger. Now, Eli was was a main component of them winning that Super Bowl. He led a game-winning drive. He threw the game-winning touchdown. <laughs> I mean, you can't say he was a pat. Now, did he do it all by himself? No, of course not. But there's very few people – that have ever won a Super Bowl all by themselves? I would say probably nobody. So the poll question is up for today. It's on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. It's about the Mets, who are set to introduce Luis Rojas as their new manager this afternoon. Three o'clock press conference. So, of course, the K-Show will be all over that. Which best fits how you feel about the hire? We gave you the four options, letters one, two, three, and four. And uh, I would say, that, look, most times with the poll question – I try to come up with something that's a debatable point, something that you could take either side. And when you have four options, yeah, maybe you can kind of really split the vote, get something kind of close that gets people engaged. This one is not one of those. This one seems fairly obvious. The Mets have, by all accounts, by all barometers, a win-now team. The Mets should be a playoff team coming into this season. Now things have to go right. They're playing in a tough division. Who knows how things break down? Super healthy last year. Maybe that's not the case this year. But as we sit here on January, what is it, 24th? The Mets should be a playoff team. So why you would entrust a win-now team with all that's riding on the, the line to someone outside that has not managed in the major leagues before, has never gone through that experience before, and doesn't know what he doesn't know, to me, seems kind of crazy, especially if you're Brody Van Wagenen, right? You have this new owner at some point coming in who will more than likely want to make changes. Will most likely want to make changes unless the Mets are pointed in the right direction. So why you would stake, what you would have to say is your general manager career, right? Like if Brody gets fired by the Mets, do you think anybody else is going to hire him as a GM? No. So it's it's imperative for him to win right now. And why you would entrust that position to someone who, I don't know, Luis Rojas might be a great manager. And I would say it's fair that he's probably a better candidate than even Carlos Beltran was. But again, we don't know that what – like Luis Rojas, his objectives in the minor leagues I think were probably far – in the majors, we know what it is, right? It's about winning games. In the minors, it's not about that. It's about developing the talent that's there. Now, I'm sure developing the talent at a major league level, I guess, is still part of it. But it's kind of secondary to making sure you win in the now. So, to me, it was a strange hire. It was a kind of a strange hire to go with Beltron when a lot of times in life, there is no perfect candidate. Like, so often you hear people who are fans of the team, 
they'll look back to when their team was successful and say, well, you know, we just have to do this again. When the person that you got that time, say in a trade, that person doesn't exist in the now, right? We just have to make another trade where we fleece the other team and we get this guy who came to us and all of a sudden became a superstar. Like the one example I'll come to, what the Yankees need to do, they got to make another trade like when they dealt Roberto Kelly for Paul O'Neill. Well, Paul O'Neill has to exist in the now. And for the Mets who are looking for a manager, which is always a bit of a crapshoot, you could say if there was no perfect candidate out there, all right, yeah, you only took a shot on this guy. But there was a perfect, this was the year there was a perfect candidate available. And it was Joe Girardi. And for some reason, Brody obviously did not want to hire Joe although that's the one guy with experience they actually interviewed. It was clear at the time they were not going to hire him. But if I had a vote in the poll question today, I would say you uh, should have hired uh, Joe Girardi. That would be my vote. And uh, I'd like to make it sometimes counterintuitive or try to create an argument that uh, kind of goes against the grain. But I'm sure that uh, should have hired Joe Girardi is going to be the uh, winner. Of today's poll question. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. All right, so I guess I should get to this now, get it out of the way. Yesterday, Antonio Brown turned himself into police in Florida. He is facing three charges, felony burglary with with battery, burglary of an unoccupied convenience, and criminal mischief stemming from that that incident outside of his home where he allegedly assaulted a... uh, moving truck driver. And it feels like there have been, has there been a month that has gone by where there has not been some story about Antonio Brown? Doesn't feel like it. Maybe there has been, but it doesn't feel like it. And I get it. I'm not a doctor. I have no medical degree whatsoever. Complete outsider. I have not really followed the stories all that intently, all that intensely. But can anybody give a reasonable explanation for his behavior outside of CTE? Like anything? And maybe it's because I just got done watching that Netflix uh, documentary about Aaron Hernandez and the impact that CTE seemingly had on him. And it's it's not even clear there that that's the problem, right? Like I, I said, maybe it was just that he was a bad guy. And maybe it is true that Antonio Brown is just a bad guy. But this, I think, rises to a level that's beyond that. I mean, he has been an unmitigated disaster. I mean, just one story after another story after. It doesn't seem like he can go a week without getting into some kind of confrontation with someone. And maybe it is true. Maybe he is just, this is just his personality and he's changing. But it is a change, right? You would have to say it's a, he hasn't always been this way. He was able to get along on a team for a long period of time. And something clearly has changed in the last couple of years. Now, people will point to the, the perfect hit. I, I don't know. Again, I said, I'm not a doctor. I'm just looking at this from the outside. But what other explanation can there really be? I mean, the downward spiral has been so rapid. 
And maybe it's more pronounced because he's not the, the typical former player. Like a lot of the former players that have suffered with this, you know, they've been past it or they've not been as hope, high profile or, you know, they've kind of suffered outside of the public view. And Antonio Brown, I guess, because there's at least the possibility that he could, he still has the physical ability, I think, to play in the NFL, that we have focused on him more than just the typical former player. But I, I don't think that we've ever seen something play out this publicly. And I, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe I'm just grasping at straws. But it feels like it, if this is not CTE, it feels like one of those things that when this story is over, however long down the road that is, and there's only one way to diagnose CTE, and it's it's after you died, it feels like this is going to be a, a, another example of it. And I could completely turn out to be wrong, and maybe it was. You know what? Just turned out he was a bad guy. But one thing that we've kind of known about CTE is like when people close to you believe you have it, you almost certainly have it. So what the possible solution is for Brown, I keep hearing people, well, you just got to get him help. You just got to get him help. It's not like there's not been a, uh, like there's been a lack of offers to get the guy help. If the guy wanted help, there are more than enough. I just think that it seems like there's you can't force him to take that help. And what the if if it if it is what it seems like it is, there is no solution. Unfortunately, one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. So I said about the Knicks. All right, there's two stories about them that came out yesterday, and, and there were stories that just either made me shake my head or kind of laugh out loud. The Knicks ones made me shake my head. The one about Zion made me uh, laugh out loud. And because of the time, let's do the Zion one first. So Zion has his debut the other night. And by all accounts, they lost the game. But he played, you got to see a little bit of how he translates at the next level, right? It was a short period of time coming off the injury and everything else, not playing at all for the first couple of months of the season. So during the broadcast, and I'll be honest with you, I did not hear the broadcast. But apparently during the broadcast, Mark Jackson, and Jeff Van Gundy brought up the fact that Zion looked heavier than the last time they had saw him. Now, he missed the first 44 games of his career, and they brought up that he needed to trim down. So I saw this story in the post, but apparently this was the thing on Twitter that during the game. This is what the New York Post writes. Analyst Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy did not take long to go there. They brought up the fact that he looked bigger than the last time they saw him. They continued that they could not believe he had gained eight pounds in a week after resuming working out and questioned whether the 285 pounds was even accurate. So the headline of the story and the point of the story was that Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy had fat-shamed Zion Williamson. Fat-shamed him. Have people lost their minds? Have people lost their minds? Whether or not an athlete is in shape is always going to be a story. Certainly, for one... 
who is making his NBA debut after missing 44 games, who looks noticeably bigger, and especially when someone is as unique as Zion. His body type, it's been a story the entire time, and it has not been fat-shaming. His body type is unlike anyone else. And there's a question whether or not that will prevent him from being, you know, what we kind of think, this transcendent superstar, or maybe a guy who just doesn't translate because of whatever issues. What's not a question is whether or not you can have a conversation about a basketball player possibly being out of shape. It's not about body image. Twitter isn't. I mean, it'll it'll drive you crazy. It's insane. They were not poking fun at him. They weren't cracking jokes. And that is not fat shaming. What We should have brain shaming. If that's the point that you're bringing up, you should be brain shamed. NBA analysts bringing up relevant points for analysis. What the heck are people talking about? If you are going on Twitter and listening to what Mark Jackson and Mark, uh, and uh, Jeff Van Gundy had to say, and your first takeaway is, oh my goodness, they are trying to destroy Zion's body image. I don't know what to tell you. you I think you probably have to stop watching sports. It's already gotten to a point where you can't criticize anybody anywhere because of the day and age that we live in. But that this has to be – now, look, it's January 24th, and one thing you can always look and say, can't get any worse than this, and then a couple of weeks later something will t- pop up and you'll be like, oh, yeah, actually it could. This has to be the dumbest – I don't even know if it's a controversy – dumbest point brought up so far in 2020. <laughs> Just Coco the composed stays cool as her opponent melts down. All right, so there you go. There's Coco Golf at the Australian Open taking out uh, Naomi Osaka, who had been the uh, defending champion. So big news there. And then other big news this morning, Serena Williams lost. So she's out of there. So so much for the uh, 24th Grand Slam for her, at least not uh, at the Australian Open. So your moment of inspiration for this uh, Friday morning. Yeah, it was slim pickings today, people. <laughs> what do you want from me? We can only go to Breaking Bad so many times. It's the biggest heavyweight title fight in decades as world champion Deontay Wilder faces off against lineal champ Tyson Fury live from Las Vegas. Two undefeated heavy hitters square off for the second time in the most anticipated rematch in recent heavyweight history. Saturday, February 22nd. At 9 p.m., live on pay-per-view. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. 1-800-919-3776. So the Knicks. The Knicks are uh, right there, right in front of us for everyone to see with two stories that came out yesterday. One from Ian Begley, who uh, is writing for SNY. And the other one I saw in the Daily News, but uh, apparently uh, came up uh, in Bloomberg. Let's start with the, uh, the SNY one from Ian Begley. And it kind of details David Fisdale's final weeks as the Knicks head coach. And it details the behind the scenes of what the expectations were for this team. Now, keep in mind, before the season started, after 
everything happened in free agency last year, and the Knicks struck out on their main targets, and they went with the plan that they did. They were asked about, do you think that this is a playoff team? And Scott Perry said, we're not in the prediction business. I'm not here to predict records. But I expect us to be better, an improved basketball team. But apparently, behind the scenes, according to Ian Beckley, A, the front office said they believed that the Knicks were a playoff team this year and that anything less than that was a disappointment. B, players who were going to be free agents this upcoming summer, 2020, were told that they would be judged much more heavily on the team's win-loss record than their individual play. Well, I would think that a lot of those players who are free agents again this year, while it would be nice to be, I think, for them to be re-signed by the team that they're on, I think that they're playing much more to the entire league, right? Like if you're a free agent, you're not just a free agent to the Knicks. You're a free agent to everyone. So saying, hey, if you want to re-sign here, as if that's some big boost, you better make sure you're playing team basketball rather than focusing on your own stats. But that first one, saying that this was a playoff team this year, just shows you that the people running the show, I mean, how, how could you possibly look at this roster, which by even the most optimistic Nick fan, this is a bottom five roster in the league, slapped together with duct tape and chewing gum and, and whatever they could get together. Now, I said at the time, and I still feel, at least they didn't max out some guy who was not a max player. But outside of that, they couldn't have done much worse. So the, the, the picture that they painted at the time was, yes, well, we might have struck out on our main targets, but this was our plan B. This is, there is no plan B. There's no plan C. There's no plan whatsoever. That is what is abundantly clear because while the Knicks are, I guess, maybe slightly better than they were last year, they're terrible. And there is no, this is part of the building process. They're winning these games by having veteran players play heavy minutes. So it's not like, hey, this is all, this is a program that we're putting in and we're going to start to rely on the younger players and develop them. And even if it doesn't mean wins and losses in the, in the, in the, in the, in the immediate, that down the road, this is going to pay dividends because these guys are going to be ready going into next year. There's none of that. They're just trying to win as many games as they can to save their jobs. So that first one, super depressing if you're a Nick fan and, and kind of hoping, hey, maybe this is the, t- maybe, maybe these guys can uh, do it right because I would agree. I don't think that David Fisdale did a good job here. But as I said at the time, if you're listing the Knicks problems, David Fisdale, even as bad a job as he did, was far da- further down on the list than some of the more pressing things. Like, I don't know, talent and be front office plan. Because those things don't exist. Not on the team. Then there's a story in the Daily News. And look, maybe it's just to, to kind of make fun of the Knicks. And that's the reason why these stories get picked up. But it does not make them look great. And the headline is, Knicks hire a brand agency to make them cool again. Brand agency to make them cool again. Team has won 12 games after a year in which they won 17. They are now, according to my math, which is always sketchy, I'll grant you that, 58 and 148 over the last three years. 58 
and 148. So by my accounts, that's basically you win one, you lose three. Winning cures a lot of – this is the uh, guy who owns the uh, the agency translation, Steve Stout. Winning cures a lot of problems. Great marketing and excitement, entertainment, exciting entertainment cure all problems. The brand has to be strong regardless of the final score. When people are hopeful that that things are going to be better and it brings excitement, all of a sudden that becomes the brand. Well, look. There is something to be said for having great marketing. The problem for the Knicks is not that they're not cool. It's that they're not good. And they haven't been good for a long time. And it doesn't look like they're going to be good anytime soon. Because until the the, the powers that be decide that, you know what? The people that are running the show right now have absolutely no clue. The Knicks are not necessarily... Nick fans are as diehard as you can get. They are desperate, desperate to the point of delusion that any small thing that could possibly be portrayed as a good piece of news, they will take it like it is mana from heaven. The problem is not about trying to win back Nick fans. They're sitting there waiting to explode for something to believe in. You don't have to win them over. You have to win some games. This is the most basic stuff imaginable. And how you know that is even as bad as the Knicks are, and it's comically bad. The season's over even before it begins. It's over even after an offseason last year where you had cap space, you had a big pick coming, and free agents who you thought were, were going to come and save you You're already basically halfway through this season, and the plan right now should be to tank again. Should absolutely be to tank again. Because you're not doing anything else. You're not developing anybody. There is no plan moving forward. Just get another high pick so when you hopefully decide, hey, you know what? The guy's running this. They got to be out of here. And bring in somebody with an actual body of work who knows what they're doing. And get out of their way. Let them do whatever they want to do. Nick fans would be on board. But this situation right now, you could you, you could spin any tail. You could hire David Blaine to come up with a, a, a marketing program. And even yet, the Nick, their games are sold out. People buy tickets. So it's not about trying to make them cool. It's, it should be about making them. It's like the Mets. It's not about how it looks. It's about how it works. And right now it's not working for the for the Knicks. Not in any way. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. All right, let's squeeze a call in here before the break. Jamal is in Brooklyn. Jamal, my man. Hey, what's going on? See, initially, my statement was going to be on the Antonio Brown situation, but you bring it up, making the Knicks cool again. I got a statement with that. All right. It's it's almost like the, the, the brand champion. Champion was not cool until recent. Whoever that marketing strategy was, they're brilliant. Okay. Champion, but, but like, champion not you're not making your – champion is not judged by wins and losses. They're judged by how it looks or what the brand feels like to you or how yeah. people feel about that. It's, it's much more you, subjective. The Knicks is not subjective. Much, it's it's up to you. You're still talking about marketing. 
Yeah, but you you can't take something that's a that's a piece of garbage and make it seem like hey, this is the cool. Everybody's peeing their pants. Everybody's doing you know Billy Madison line. It, it, it is what it is. The team's terrible. Okay. okay, I'm gonna get off of that. All right, the Antonio Brown thing. Yeah, here's here's what I feel is this. Antonio Brown, like every other real like semi superstar, they start out being told that they're they're good and they're great from like high school going all going forward. Uh-huh. He was he was in college. He was great then. Always told that he's great. With the Steelers, he's been drafted. He's always now that he's no longer like in the spotlight. He's no longer being told or being felt that he's great, which means that he's going to act a fool. Okay, I, look, I maybe you know what, Jamal? Maybe you're right. I, I just look at the stories, and maybe we're just focusing on it more because of who he is and the possibility that we thought that maybe he could come back and play in the NFL, and that was a possibility. Maybe you're right. It just seems like the guy can't. It's not just that he's having an issue here or there, or he's feeling disrespected here or there. It's that he's getting into confrontations every which way with. It seems like everybody he comes in contact with, and the list of people who have had confrontations with him. It seems like it's growing by the week, and it's not a story that I've focused on all that much. I know other people have. But it's kind of hard to avoid when you see, and now he's turned himself into police, that it's kind of hard to avoid watching this downward spiral continue. And it doesn't feel like there's any end in sight. It doesn't feel like, hey, if he got picked up by a team tomorrow, all of a sudden all would be right in Antonio Brown's world. It doesn't seem like he can have an interaction with anybody without it becoming confrontational. So maybe there is another explanation. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Nobody could tell you right now for sure it's that. And maybe my 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 viewpoint is being shielded by the fact that I just saw the documentary about Aaron Hernandez. But I feel like there's a lot more. It's not been as violent so far, but it feels like that this is this is the way this is going right now. It's going down a bad road, and I don't know that there's any way to get off the road either. Poll question up for today on Twitter at Gordon Damer. It's all about the uh, Mets hiring of Luis Rojas, who will be introduced 3 o'clock this afternoon. So the K Show will be all over that. And that, what's your feelings of that hire? You can uh, vote on the poll questions up on Twitter at Gordon Damer. And then, of course, 11 o'clock today, you have Eli Manning making it official with his press conference. So the day will belong to Eli. And a lot of those giant fans who have been screaming and yelling for Eli to get out, now all of a sudden they're going to turn the page. Oh, we loved Eli. He was the best. He was the grit. And they're a bunch of phonies. All right, let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN. Spike is in Jersey. Spike, what's going on? Good morning, my friend. I'm thinking when you said you couldn't find a keychain with your name on it, I really felt bad for you. Yeah, (laughs) tough moment as a kid, yeah. Yeah, Oliver, too, was another one. Okay, um, thank you, Derek Jeter, and thank you, Eli Manning for great parenting, great performance. Really must have been. I'm sure you interviewed someone along the line. They don't give you much, but they're always polite. This next thing is a joke. Can you imagine? This is like hiring uh, Edsel and Nehrusus, if you remember those. Edsel, I know. I'm not old enough, but, yeah, I know the reference. Yeah, they're losers. This is losers. And you just said it and hit it right on the head, and thanks for the time. If the building's full, there's nothing to, to do to change it. Why change it? Yeah, there's not any, it doesn't seem like, I mean, I don't know, maybe they will, maybe this will be, and, and I'm not saying change it in the, in the short term. Let Mills and let Perry run this season, let them run it out, let's see what their record is at the end of the year, let's see what the development, more importantly, what the development of the players is 
at the end of the year. And it's not going to be hard to make the argument, yeah, you know what? Look, we won 17 games last year. We won, I don't know, 25 this year. That's a, it's moving in the right direction, especially considering we had to get rid of Fisdale, right? He was terrible at the beginning. But now, you know, Mike Miller, he's doing what he can with what he's got to work with. Problem is, he doesn't have a whole lot to work with. And what he does have to work with, the better pieces, at least you hope, are the young players. It doesn't really matter if you're – I mean, what does it matter if you're it's, – it's like the football, right? Like when the Giants are winning games at the end of the year and it's affecting their draft position. What does it matter if the Knicks are going to be winning games behind Julius Randle and Marcus Morris and players like that? They're, they should not be the long-term future of the Knicks. But we've seen this story before, you know, kind of maximize as many wins as you can get to make it seem like it's better than it is because right now it's terrible. It's it's no place. So the Knicks can win 25 games, 29 games. They can win 30 games. It's not going to make me feel any better about the, the direction of the team. And we'll find out. Like, if they get through this offseason and the front office, is, as it is right now, gets to hire another coach, well, then you know it's it, it's not going to turn around. It's not going to turn around until they clean house. Let's go out to uh, Sergio's in the Bronx. Sergio. Yeah, how you doing? I just wanted to touch about the Antonio Brown situation because I was thinking about it yesterday driving home. I said, people have to wonder what's wrong with his mental health. He's lost out so much money this year as far as um, contracts, endorsements. And to lose that amount of money in one year, you have to really ask yourself after watching the Aaron Hernandez documentary yeah. with, the, with the whole scan of the brain. It would be wise maybe the NFL was to take him put him under uh, or an MRI scan to see maybe his decision-making of his brain has been compromised due to football, and why don't they medically help him? I mean, I work out here for trans. Sergio, there's, the there's, I mean, there's nothing. What, what are they going to do? They can't force him to do it. I mean, they can't, well, I mean, they can't get him committed. Doing, they're, doing, they're, they're doing case studies as we speak. Why not use him as a case study? Why because not he would have to agree to that. self-destructs. Yeah, but, I mean, he'd have to agree to that. I mean, that's the problem, right? I mean, it's not like, I don't know how the story will turn out. Hopefully it turns around. Hopefully he turns his life around. Maybe this is the wake-up call he needs, and he's actually able to uh, take advantage of that wake-up call. But maybe he's just not capable. I don't know. But they can't for it is his his problem has not been a lack of people offering help. There's plenty. I'm sure there's been plenty of offers. His agent I'm sure was offering him help along the way. And now his agent has decided that he can't work with him unless he gets help. But even that, it does not seem like it's going to have much of, it's not going to have much of an impact. Eddie is in Brooklyn. Eddie. Um, Gordon, I can't talk to you right now. I just got pulled over by a police officer. Oh so my I'm goodness, you Eddie. You gotta later. be, yeah, you gotta be careful. You can't use the, why are you using the phone up at your ear? Put the speaker on. What are you doing? Be careful out there. You don't want to be like Keith. Well, I'm sorry, Eddie. Eddie's getting pulled over by a cop. That's not good. Not good. But you gotta, you gotta use the speaker. I always wonder about that. I always see people, they're driving around, they got the giant phone up in their ear. Or you know what's even worse is they'll have it in their lap and they're, I don't know if they're, they're texting. I don't know if they're looking at Google Maps or whatnot. So what they're doing is they're driving and their hands are up here and then their head is looking down. That's the most dangerous thing. But there's no reason to have the phone up in the air. Just put the phone on the speaker and then pull over when you talk to me on the air. You can't be on the speaker. When I'm sorry, Eddie. I'm sorry about that. Turned out bad for Eddie. Hopefully it turned out well for you today. Show's over. 
please vote on the poll question. It's a Met question, so we need all the votes we possibly can get because you know it's going to tank. But we'll see you tomorrow starting at 7 right here, 98.7 FM ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.